Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 286. And tonight we're recapping Welcome to Night Vale number 195, Silas the Thief, part one. And we have a lot to say about this episode, but I guess before we do that, we should get into the weekly sit wrap. All right. What are you drinking? Stone IPA, okay. obviously. Which I didn't have the entire time we were on vacation, so it's kind of nice to have some. Again. Yeah. I went ahead and got myself the um, Raleigh Brewing um, Passion Fruit Goza. Ooh, very nice. Okay, so set rep, obviously, vacation is over. We are back home. Um, I thought it was a really good trip. I it had a was good time. a wonderful trip. I mean, we were there at a cabin we rented in Boone for two weeks, and I think I'm just about out of vacation mindset, but for a while there, I would wake up in the middle of the night when we're home, and I would be afraid to get out of the bed to go to the bathroom because I thought I would get lost on the way there. I could not I, figure out where I was, and that is such a I'm weird feeling. I'm telling you. Yeah, I always like that feeling when you get back after a long trip and you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't quite visualize where you are, but oh my God, that first night, it was intense. Like I got up to use the bathroom and I could kind of sort of parse out the area around me, except the walls were the same color in my mind as the walls of the vacation rental we were staying in. Exactly. Yes. I was having wood-paneled walls as I was walking to the bathroom. It was weird. Strange. Very strange. But uh, but yeah, that, you know, really nice to be up in the mountains. And uh, I got back into San Diego and it's been in the 50s and 60s since I really? got back. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's chilly. It's it's still been in the 70s and 80s. Um, so mm-hmm. I I actually went running today, so I'm not going to lie. This isn't my first beer this evening because I have yeah, thirsty. But yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But yeah, it was nice hanging out with mom and dad and Hannah. And of course, if you listen to last week's episode, we talked with Hannah about Ted Lasso. Mm. So now I need to jump into season two. So yeah, goodness. I might have to invest in that Apple TV membership. But um, what mm. else? Oh yeah, and we played board games and card games. Mm. And I tried to learn cribbage, and I just stared at the first couple of pages of instructions, and then put everything away and did something else because yeah yeah and try did the exact same thing trying to learn mahjong looked at the instructions yeah. pulled the board out stared at everything put it all back away and didn't even bother going any uh, further than that so I guess I need to find someone who actually knows how to play these things if I want to learn. I feel like, like with Mahjong, it would be easier if you were with a group of people who already knew how to play. That thing sounds complicated. Really complicated. But, um, oh, the board game I really liked was It Was a Dark and Stormy Night. That was really... And I wouldn't have thought that I would have gotten as far, but it's the idea it's either kids' books or fiction from somewhat recently or fiction not very recently or nonfiction or poetry or short stories and they'll give you the first line and you have to guess exactly what it is and yeah um it actually I wrote down the second night we played it I wrote down a lot of stuff because I'm like man all this stuff sounds like stuff I need to read I'm still amazed at that one it was it wasn't even mine it was someone else's question about Uh, The first line was about a woman staring out the window of a castle, and I think she was thinking about the religion she wasn't allowed to practice. And I'm just sitting there thinking, Miss of Avalon, and Mom turns to me, how did you know that? I have no idea. No clue. Nice. It's been a long time since I read that book. I'm also not likely to read it again because she was the woman who's... um, 
whose husband was having sex with underage people and, and she was she ended up defending him and and she was also sexually abusing her daughter and just oh, you know God. she's dead now so but, yeah um, well her yeah. and the um the Eddings David Eddings apparently oh, they actually God. did time for child abuse which is yeah I mean this isn't like an allegation or something that oh well you've never been able to prove that and it was somebody's word against someone else's no no they actually went to jail for a while because of it and I had yeah. no idea yeah and they got away from that by just picking up and moving to another area of the country. You know, it's kind of pre-internet days, so they just... I don't know. Nobody around them knew. They seemed like such nice people. Um, I'm glad I never kept any of his books. No, no. And, you know, I really enjoyed um, the first trilogy of um, the Crystal. You know, it starts with the Crystal Throne, I think. I enjoyed that so much. I looked up some of his other works, his earlier stuff, and I read The Losers. And a big part of that is how social workers are all evil and out to get you. And I'm like, now I understand. That was his mindset, that he was the social worker workers doing that to them. It's so crazy. It's just, oh God, it's yeah. insane. Anyway, I didn't mean to go down a tangent onto authors we used to love until we found out they were horrible, horrible people. But you know, it's a, uh, what are you going to do? But um, yeah, so back in San Diego, uh, getting back into the swing of things, and we've got an episode of Night Vale to recap. Which was a surprise all around, because it yep. starts out with a voice that isn't Cecil's, and that's the only voice you hear the entire time. And the voice actor is Jonathan Atkinson, and he's Uh very good, but he is telling the story of his life, and his life was that he was a professional thief, living the high life, and now, wherever he is, he's shouting at somebody who can't hear him, who seems to be caring for him, but Silas, this is the, the main character, he doesn't like being touched, but he can't convey that. And he doesn't like his surroundings. There's tile everywhere. There's a smell of urine all over the place, or maybe even worse. So he's very unhappy. And whoever it is that's taking care of him obviously loves him because he keeps talking about, like, wrapping your hands around me and sobbing is not helping. Mm -hmm, (laughs) That's, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. So that was, it was really uncomfortable, too, because you had this idea that he was the voice of somebody who's in a coma and they're being cared for by some poor relative or loved one that can't communicate with them and doesn't realize that they're just trapped inside their mind now. So very unsettling. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking more in terms of like, this is a very old person who's maybe lost the ability to communicate because he said he's sick and he's not digesting his food very well. You know, he's obviously sick with something and, um, I just, it, it seemed to me like an angry person. Like maybe I thought it was the voice of how everybody gets when they're very old. I mean, you don't think of yourself as old in your own mind. You're still the same person you've always been. You're just trapped in this old body. So that's kind of where I thought they were going with that, which is not where they were going with that. No. But Silas's life. Okay, how do you pronounce his lovers? Sundren or something? Sundren. See, that's the thing I want to say. (laughs) I thought the voice actor was very good, but he was very good in the fact that Silas is completely unlikable. He is stuck up and angry and pretentious, and he keeps, you know, he speaks with a fairly standard American accent, except if he's pronouncing certain... (sighs) 
Spanish words or certain French words or whatever. And then he just goes like overboard with the accent in there in a really super pretentious way. I thought he was irritating as all get out. Yeah. And I couldn't understand what his, I guess his lover's name of Sundren, something like that. Sundren, something like that. Yeah. She was a professional forger. He was a professional thief. They would steal artworks for 15 years. They worked together with a benefactor named Mino who would Uh pay them lavish amounts of money to steal these priceless artworks and they just you know spent time in the best hotels always had the best transportation the best food he goes on for ages about paying eighteen hundred dollars for a bottle of bordeaux and he also can't stop talking about how much his lover irritates him the entire time yeah he said that he wished that he had communicated things more because he says, you know, things happen and people die and they go out of your life and you never have a chance to tell them how much of a difference they make, how much you truly despised them. I'm like, wow. (laughs) And that's the tone for the entire thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, she takes up um, tarot and practicing witchcraft and honoring the solstice instead of Christmas. And it's all phrased in this, she is doing this to me. She is taking Christmas away from me because she's got to practice solstice and I just you wonder why he was even with her when she so obviously irritated the heck out of him all the damn time I think he just he liked their life I suppose because so much of the episode goes and you get a lot of details about oh and our life was this and it was great and it was wonderful and then there's a whole bunch of details about exactly how you go about casing a joint in order to steal it and then there's a whole bunch of bragging about the stuff they stole they talked about stealing a Stradivarius while the owner was in the kitchen making breakfast you know it's it's all he's so proud of himself and I guess they were just so good at what they did that he just stayed with her now my thing was did he call her his lover because I know they were together but they were partners so I wasn't sure how much of a lover type of relationship it was I don't know that's the thing because that's never made explicit they're just Mm -hmm. there together and when Mino wants them to steal I think it was a a Louise Bourgeau sculpture from a sculpture garden in Dallas and Silas isn't having it it's a stupid thing he doesn't want to steal something that you can't just carry away with you in your arms because you'd have to hire people to help you move it and the more people that you hire or that you talk to are more people that could probably testify against you afterwards so he doesn't want to do it and Sundran desperately wants to do it because she loves the sculptor. She loves the whole idea about having one of these sculptures even though she's not going to keep it. I mean, he keeps telling her, we don't get to keep these things. We bring it to Milo and we take our money and leave. But yeah, and she finally gets upset with him, and he wakes up the next morning, and she's gone. And That's she's it. taken all of her stuff. Yep. And he knows instantly that she's going to go to this museum, and so he followed her. And he's like, I really shouldn't have done it, but uh, he just he kept on talking about how he wanted to stop her from making a fool out of herself. And I'm like, no, you didn't. She thwarted you, and she didn't do what you said, and so now you're mad. So he just sat there and watched the museum every single day trying to find her, and he never saw her enter. But finally, late one night, he saw her leave, dead on a gurney. He, he watched the police surround the building. He heard shouting. He heard shots fired. And then she gets taken out on a gurney, and the police is talking about the fact that, well, she fired first, which he doesn't believe. So, mm-hmm. and now he's upset. 
but he's trying to tell himself that it wasn't his fault. It was all her fault. She got what she deserved, but I don't think he can convince himself quite of that. No, and Mino doesn't call for six months. I mean, Mino always called every month, and that's when Mino would give him their instructions. But then Mino started calling again at the same time every month, but Silas didn't pick up for like two years because he was still, he was really getting over Sondrin's death. And he finally agreed to take an assignment from Mino, but the stipulation was they had to meet in person because they hadn't yep. done that before. Yeah. So yep. he meets Mino and... The building is not lush. It's not beautiful. There's no artwork on the walls. Mm -hmm. And then Mino turns around, and of course, it's Sundren. It's been yeah. Sundren all along. And Silas is utterly furious because he said, she wasn't my partner, she was my puppet master. And she faked her own death to get away from him. And he yep. spits in her face. Yep. And she raises her hand, and I'm thinking she's going to raise her hand to wipe off the spit. No, with her mind, she flings him back out of the house into the cold water, and he can't swim. I mean, he had mentioned several times that she was a witch, and she was doing all this kind of stuff, but apparently she's really a witch. She really did fling him out just using her powers alone. And he's struggling in the water, and it feels like she's drowning him, dragging him under, and then he hears her voice, and she says, I'm not going to kill you. Silas, and I can't remember the exact word of what she said. She said something like, I'm, I want you to learn what it's like to be alone in the care of another. And then he wakes up and he's in this place and surrounded by the smell of urine and ugly tiles and ugly lights and this person that's taking care of him that, I mean, at one point he even kicks the person because he's so enraged that they're touching him and then he tries to be apologetic and mentions something about they should probably get some antibiotic ointment on that cut that he gave him. He's like, I don't mean to, but I just don't touch me ever again. And then he's he goes straight from being angry to... Obviously, whoever's taking care of him starts to leave. And he's like, oh, are, are you going? Do you have? Oh, okay. All right, I guess. Same time tomorrow then? So he's obviously desperate for the attention, even though he yeah. can't stand it at the same time. Kind of like how he was with Sundren the entire time. Yep, yep. But and we'll give a big old spoiler warning here. Yeah. This entire episode... I wasn't really convinced. I was just like, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is fine, and the guy's doing a good job, and the story's pretty interesting, but I miss Cecil, and you know, the only thing this has to do with Night Vale is he like, mentions Night Vale once in the very beginning of the story, and I don't know, what are they doing? Is this, uh, I guess, oh, whatever, this is fine. <laughs> and then as whoever the person is is leaving, he shouts afterwards, my name is Silas, not Kashik, Okay. <laughs> And that's oh the end of the God. episode. That's <laughs> the end of the episode. And Kat and I immediately are like, what? Oh, my God. So Silas, I don't know. He's Kashuk. He's the cat that floats, what, four feet off the ground in the men's bathroom in the radio station, yep. you know, who's been a part of this podcast since the very beginning. Since the very beginning. And he doesn't like being touched. <laughs> oh, my God. And the thing is, did she turn Silas into Kashuk? And he's been Kashuk. Like, Kashuk has always been Silas or did she put him into the body of Kashik? I mean, like, it's only temporarily been Silas. I'm really hoping it's it's option B there. Because Me too. I'm thinking about when we first started this podcast, 
I think it was the old Oak Doors episode with the, oh, the, the man is holding a cat and just like oh the internet God. losing their minds over that episode. I want to think about that being Kashik and not necessarily this Silas person the entire time. Yeah, yeah, same here. And I remember that when the one, um, God, the, somebody had given Cecil a present and it was that little creature thing and it hurt um, Kashik and he had to take him to the vet and they kind of went to the break and he comes back and Cecil says something like, oh, listeners. And I was like, oh, I was on a run at the time. And I've, I've told people before, I actually stopped on the sidewalk and waited until he said that Kashik was still alive. I mean, I was just like, oh, my God, do not kill that cat. So, yeah, I it just, man, that is that is a twist to end all twists right there, yeah. I think. I, yeah. That caught me out of nowhere. Yeah, no, I didn't. I mean, the Sondran thing, I kind of like... As he walked into the house and the back was to him and everything, I was like, I wonder if it's Sondran. You know, I could kind of figure that one. That's kind of like a, that's a pretty standard trope, I suppose. But the Kashak thing, not even a little bit, not never. And especially, I even wondered when he accidentally kicked whoever was taking care of him. And then he says, you better get something on that cut. I was like, wow, he must have really kicked him to cut him bad. How'd that happen? No, it's because he's got claws. Oh my God. (laughs) And the whole Man. bit about the tiles everywhere and the smell yeah, of urine the and the horrible lighting. It's the men's bathroom <laughs> in the radio station. My God. And now, not only are we wondering, you know, was it Kashek some of the time and then it was Silas? Was it Silas all the time and everything? What's going on with Kashek being sick? Because obviously right. Cecil is really traumatized by this. Well, yeah. I mean, every person who's owned a pet knows that feeling, that horrible oh. idea. And the pet, a lot of times, isn't necessarily looking for the human to, like, cover over them. Because no. that's not how a lot of pets get comfort. And Kashik nope. is no exception. Although Kashik can really back it up a little bit with the whole yeah, yeah, lashing out at people with poison spines. Oh, my God. Yeah, so completely. Never saw it coming. No, nope. it was great. I love it when they can do that. And it also, I mean, I know we talked about Prayer for Owen Meany before, where I thought the book was pretty boring for the most part. And then it's like the last 10 pages, something happens. And I was just so amazed at what they did. And I thought it was great. But Hannah has always said, she's like, if a book sucks all the way through and then you like it for the last you know, 10 or 15 pages, that's not a good book. That's bad pacing. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, kind of. So, I'd, But I, I still, I didn't really like this episode up until the end. And then I'm like, oh, my God. So, yeah, that was that was cool. I was kind of intrigued. I think that must be fun for writers to write an unlikable character. Just yeah, trying to figure out yeah. all the ways that a person can have empathy and consideration and kindness and then do the opposite of that. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, he did a really good job. I really didn't like him. Like, this guy is irritating. Ugh. But yeah. Anyway, good job, Night Vale. He turned me around. That was great. I like that. So, um, let's see. What else? We should probably talk about Laura Olympus because it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah. We didn't talk yeah. about it last week. Now, no. last week's episode was the start of the trial with uh-huh. Persephone and Demeter. And Demeter, at one point, like whispers to Persephone that you and I are going to have to have a long talk. And Persephone doesn't back down. She nope, says, you nope. made me think he had forgotten about me. So, yes, we are going to talk. And I'm, oh. I'm like partway looking forward to that and partway going, this is going to be bad. 
yeah, it's going to be really bad. But in that trial, it was Calliope, right, that they got to deliver um, this sort I'm, of summary. I'm actually looking at the Laura Olympians Instagram account. That they're mm-hmm. the same people that does Pomegranate, and every mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. they do this wonderful summary and go point by point through certain things she might have missed. The muse that was brought in to present the uh, prosecutor's case is Polymnia. Uh, and Polymnia is, she's the muse of divine hymns, poetry, and pantomime. So, and now Zeus said that the reason why the goddess of, um, I think it's history or... Mm-hmm. Is it's that's Themis, and she's on maternity leave, which is why he brought in Polymnia. But yeah. I'm wondering if he arranged something because a muse of history or tradition, something like that, would be so much better to present a real case as opposed yeah. to what Polymnia is doing, which is this whole huge overblown thing about how yeah. Persephone is just the evilest of evil and she slaughtered dozens of cities. You know, it just gets more and more as she's presenting it. And Zeus is obviously tasked her with making Persephone look bad. That's pretty much oh, yeah. what she's doing. Yeah, and she goes to the hilt with it. I mean, there's this whole thing where she's like seduced Hades to get him to be on her side. So they're calling their relationship in question. And then Demeter is on her side as well and, you know, covering up all of her terrible action. It's accompanied with all these pictures of everybody just looking evil upon evil. It is not an objective look at the facts. It is completely blown up. And there was something else that the Lore Olympians Instagram account pointed out that... Themis, or Temis, however you want to pronounce it, in some stories, she's the mother of the fates. And there's like some pictures of her children behind her. It might be the uh, people from the uh, video archive that uh, oh. Hades went to. So oh. I would love if we came around to something like that and the fates show up with a videotape of what actually happened. Because we've, yeah. we've heard one side, the side that Zeus believes, and we've heard Persephone's side. I wonder if we're going to get a little bit of a Rashomon thing going on where the truth is kind of in the middle of both of those. I think it's likely, because I remember, you know, having seen the first... And even when we heard the first version, we kind of got two different things. Because in one version, you see her just show up and say, you know, you are killing my sister and all that kind of stuff, and she slices him up. But then in the later version... You also see the humans being really disrespectful towards her and calling her like a seedless goddess and everything. So I don't know how much of that version was true and how much is her just imagining people are persecuting her. I mean, I think she's been pretty balanced a lot of the time. So I think you're right. I think the real story is going to be somewhere in between all the stories that we've already heard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, looking forward to that. But Mm. this week's episode was Hermes. And you said Mm. that you've seen some people commenting that three episodes later and Hermes is still hogging the spotlight. Yeah, it was actually somebody who commented on our Instagram page because I had said, you know, we finally found out what all the FastPass people were going crazy about. And she commented, she says, I'm on the FastPass and Hermes has just been taking up the stand for the past three episodes. And I just, I comment, I'm like, oh dear, we're not on the FastPass, so we'll keep that in mind. That was my way of being like, okay, no spoilers. All right, so. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a real rule. I mean, they, they make sure... 
on the comments section to tell everybody, don't spoil the people who haven't actually bought the Fast Pass. I mean, I, if yeah, she yeah. wanted to be nasty, she could say, oh, well, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled, you better go ahead and pay for the Fast Pass. No, she wants to make sure people are still able to enjoy it, even if they're not three episodes ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if the person who commented would have spoiled something else. Maybe they had that in mind when they commented, but it was still just kind of like, <laughs> don't tell me what happened in the Fast Pass. I'm not reading that yet, but uh, but as it turns out, they were totally right. I mean, it's just Hermes is this entire episode. A lot of the comments are saying it. They're like, oh, Hermes, we love you. Wow, you're they're talking a lot. This is going to take a long time. So he's just talking about himself and about his role mm-hmm. in Olympus and how he loves being the messenger of the gods. And he goes to take a bath when he's in Demeter's realm and stumbles across Persephone, who nobody knows exists at this point. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he catches on really fast because she's just like talking with him and chatting and flirting. And he finally realizes, oh, I've invaded Demeter's space and I've talked inappropriately to her daughter and I'm standing here naked and he stares at her. What do you want? So she was uh-huh. hustling him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love how he said, he like finishes up the whole thing. He's like, blah, blah, blah. And all my terms and conditions are hanging out all over the place. So I'm, just, I'm, gonna, I'm totally going to use that as a phrase. It's like, well, he's standing there with his terms and conditions hanging out. But um, yeah, and what she wanted was a bunch of encyclopedias. Yeah. And I love how Hermes was treating her because he really wasn't being all that disrespectful. He was just <laughs> treating her like a grown-up. And he wasn't, Ooh. you know, being a creeper or anything like that. Just, no. Yeah. No. It made me like Hermes more, but I do wish they would move it the heck along. I know. I, I do think we've still got one more episode with him talking in this one. So, <laughs> oh, my geez. Oh, boy. Okay. But yeah, so that's that's all that happened in this week's Laura Olympus. So um, we didn't even see a current version of Persephone. It was all Hermes. All Hermes. Except all the time. Hermes talking about his mother and he's kind of going on about how she's a beautiful woman and I just wanted to have nice things and that's why he likes money so much but I think it was Zeus who said something like yes we know your mother is beautiful with a deep cleavage can we please move on and Hermes is like what? And Zeus says, what? <laughs> so, I mean, pretty sure Zeus tapped that as well, obviously. I think even in the mythology, I think he definitely had sex with uh, Maya, I think is her name? Yeah, I think so. And yeah, Zeus is Hermes's dad in mythology. So, but I know. It makes it complicated because Zeus is the dad of a lot of people in mythology and they're trying to back True. away from that in Lore Olympus because then yeah. it gets weird. Yeah, because he's also Hera's sister, which they haven't really addressed, I guess. So, no, but- I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, yeah, oh, I'm still enjoying the heck out of it every single week. Just so all the expressions in this one were so great. Every expression on Hermes' face was just (laughs) hilarious. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixladygeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the fan art galleries. I got confirmation from our friend Stephanie, who has written a lot of articles for the site. She does not want the press pass for Comic-Con. So it is going to go to my photographer friend, Alex, and he will take pictures of cosplayers for us. He was already going to be walking around downtown, but now maybe he'll poke his head inside the convention center and see what's happening. So we might actually get... A cosplay gallery for the first time in almost two years. Oh, my God. Oh, so looking forward to that. Yay. I mean, everybody be careful, please. I mean, if you have to wear an entire full-on helmet with, like, you know, activated filters or something, do that. Just try to avoid the con crud, because this year, con crud could be serious. Yeah, Alex is definitely very careful, but he has been out and about during the pandemic a lot more than I have, so I feel pretty confident that he will go places that we're not comfortable going, but he will also be careful while doing it so um and get us good pictures well that's good because i think that things are uh, 
we've said this before, so now I don't want to yeah, jinx it, but I've been following the um, the numbers on COVID, and the U.S. got very close to getting 10 million active cases, like at, at one time, just active cases. But it backed down from that, and now it's on the downward slide again. So okay. I'm hoping that means that the rates of infections are going down. We've already got more than half of the country is vaccinated and heck more than half of North Carolina is vaccinated and I wasn't sure if that was ever going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in San Diego, I mean it's only the percentage of people who have gotten one shot, but it's at 88% of San Diegans Ooh. have gotten one shot, which is nice. I think it's closer to the 50% range for getting both shots, but it's still pretty good. Yeah, so yeah, I want want that to keep going cuz last year we saw a spike after Thanksgiving and I would really rather not have yeah. that. No. I'm hoping, I'm still hoping by Thanksgiving we get 60% vaccination in the country. So we're, we're tracking. We're, we're tracking. tracking. That's, well, fingers crossed. So everybody, please be careful. And we will continue to put stuff up on the site as we can. We've got a review of the latest James Bond movie is up. Um, and Hugh really seemed to like it. He said it was a good outing for um, Daniel Craig. And we had word on the Marvel Eternals, which looks like that's going to be good. And, now this is not on the site, but we put it on our social medias, what's coming back in January? Oh my god, oh my god, we're getting Saga again. Oh, I can't believe, it's been two years? I mean, it's been a long time. (sighs) Now, the main character, the little girl who's narrating Mm -hmm. all of this, Mm -hmm. when we first met the Will, who was the bounty hunter that was after them, she made some mention about how that there were a lot of people who were bounty hunters, but the Will was the worst of them all, like an absolute monster. And then you spent the entire time seeing how, you know, he turns his entire world into trying to save this little girl who was, you know, forced into slavery. Um, But then by the end of the last episode that we got, the last issue, you see Mm -hmm. why she would say that. And now I'm wondering how that's going to work out. Because obviously the will, that's one thing that will turn him around to seeing a child in trauma or in peril. And now he's killed, oh God, spoilers, he's killed someone that was very important to a little girl. And it's important. Yes, it's, oh God, that last issue. Oh God, oh God. And then the cover, I don't believe we know any of the three people on the teaser cover. Unless that's, um, what is the main character's name? I don't remember. It's been so long. It's been so long, unless that's her in the foreground. Yeah, yeah, because we definitely don't recognize the other two characters. I have no idea. Yeah. So, yeah, go check out our social medias. You'll see the preview image, and Image Comics has a PR article that talks all about it. But the most important thing is, in January, we get Saga back, and... Brian K. Vaughn will continue to rip our hearts out because that's what he does. God, thinking about that last issue, too soon! Yeah, it really is. My God. (laughs) Anyway, all that and more, pixladygeek.com or our associated, you know, social medias, whatever. But... Next week, we are going to recap another episode of Night Vale, maybe the second part of this one. I don't I'm know, unless hoping. they throw something in the middle, they might throw I'm hoping they the won't throw a curveball. I hope we get part two, because I have yeah. questions. Yeah, but we'll get that next week, because we waited 11 days to recap this one, because last week we had to talk about Ted Lasso. But anyway, one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. Talk to y'all later.